Hi, my name's Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm here with Paola de Trocchio, Curator of Fashion and Textiles at the National Gallery of Victoria. Welcome to the show, Paola. Thank you. Paola, I've just come out of seeing this most amazing exhibition, Jean-Paul Gaultier, mm-hmm. a, a, really a coup for Melbourne. Tell me a little bit of background about even getting the Jean-Paul Gaultier to the National Gallery of Victoria, because that must have been an extraordinary achievement. Mm, yeah, no, it was. It um, As I'm sure you probably know, it's been touring the world. So its first um, presentation was at the Montreal Museum of Fine Art in 2011. And since then, it's been travelling. And one of our colleagues uh, in exhibition management actually saw it in San Francisco and suggested... And- after seeing it, you know, brought back the suggestion of the exhibition for us. And we started talking about it and it was probably, it was a year definitely in advance that we started working on it and probably about two years in advance that we were talking about it. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was it was a matter of, I guess, coordinating dates, schedules, but we were incredibly enthusiastic about bringing it to Melbourne because he's such an extraordinary designer uh, and also we knew that it would have popular appeal. Uh, because of, I mean, his long-standing career. He's been designing for 38 years, but he also has a very multi-dimensional career in that he appeals um, to a broad audience through mm. his, I guess, very iconic associations, probably the most iconic being with um, Madonna and her um, Cobra, mm. um, but also the extraordinary work that mm. goes into the pieces and that is evident in all of the pieces. So it really was a great show to have. I thought we should mention just before we start, there was a very um, great connection to Australia because, and who uh, Pierre Gisualdi, mm. who's been actually featured on this program, was the first to bring in Jean-Paul Gaultier into Australia. Yeah, we uh, actually spoke with him and Judy Diamond because they brought um, his work in it, from 1980. Amazing. And, I mean, Jean-Paul Gaultier only started in 1976. His first commercial collections were in 1978. So they were really, really at the beginning. Because I remember Piero saying, look, when he saw the collection, which was done on his kitchen table, Piero, um, Jean-Paul Gaultier's kitchen table in Paris, mm. he actually said the clothing was actually the ideas were extraordinary yes but the finish wasn't great no and it's actually really interesting too because you can see that in his collection presentations as well one of the really really great things about working on this show and working with a design house is is that they have the entire catalogue of catwalk presentations Mm -hmm. so as part of my preparation for the exhibition i watched all the catwalk footage from all through the 70s, 80s, mm. 90s, 2000s, um, and there's evidence of that in the exhibition. But what was fascinating to see was that the ideas are there. The ideas are extraordinary all the way through, mm. but what he improves on and what he's continually finessing is his materials, his workmanship, his finish, um, and that is obviously what Piero saw as well. Jean-Paul's not exactly easy to pinpoint. If you had to describe, it's it's a hard question. Mm. It, for those who, I mean, most people know Jean-Paul Gaultier's work, but what makes him so interesting in his in his work? I think the thing is, is that it comes from him. It comes from his heart. It comes from his soul. And the wonderful thing about working on this exhibition was the fact that he was here for a week um, previous to the opening and a couple of days afterwards, maybe only one. He did a lot of media engagements, um, public programs, presentations, and what was consistent, and also just meeting with him one-on-one and working with him, you know, in the presentation of the exhibition, what was consistent is this 
absolute joy, this openness, um, enthusiasm, excitement. He has this kind of very youthful demeanour. Um, I mean, he's 62 now, isn't he? 62, yeah. But just the enthusiasm and the joy. You know, he walked through the exhibition for the first time, our exhibition for the first time. This exhibition has been shown in eight other venues. And just the look of delight on his face. It was like it was all brand new for him. And that's what he said. He said, these are my babies. I know them so well. But the way that you've presented them makes it makes me feel like they're new to me again. And... He, he just sort of looked around with open eyes and you could just see that he was absorbing all that it was. For those who haven't been, the mannequins are alive. Yes. Each mannequin actually has a projected uh, image of someone talking mm. on their face. Mm. And so literally, including Jean-Paul Gaultier in mm. one of the arrangements. So you're actually, it's quite... Um, confronting to see these amazing people talk. Yeah. Very animated. And fascinating. And that was actually a really important part of the project for him. He was initially reluctant to get on board with an exhibition. He just thought, you know, I'm alive. Exhibitions are about people who are dead. Um, this isn't really for me. Um, but working with uh, the external curator, um, Thierry Maxime Loriot, he brought to him this idea of the possibility of animated mannequins, which is something that had been used in a Montreal theatre company hmm. uh, previous to the exhibition. And what the mannequins, what, how the projections work is that each of the faces or skulls of the mannequin are actually based on real people. Hmm. So they actually sat there, had their heads moulded, uh, made actual mannequin heads based on real hmm. individuals, Jean-Paul Gaultier himself, hmm. uh, and then the faces were filmed and the filmed, the filmed faces are then projected um, mm -hmm. onto the mannequin head. So it, it, it's completely holistic. And also, each of the mannequins has a wig. So they've all got human hair. And that really completes the ensemble as well. Paula, the other thing that's interesting, he mentioned in the media um, discussion mm -hmm. that one of his big mistakes was his pop-up well, his, his pup Puppets. puppet. So his yep. puppet collection. So that's difficult to understand if you're listening but instead of using real models for a fashion show he actually used puppets mm. that kind of almost were um, hooked up to a, some machinery and rotated around this stage mm. so they were kind of inflatable puppets and he said it was a disaster mm. he actually admitted it was a big disaster mm. the clothes actually have to be worn by humans to really bring things alive yeah that's his view i mean i yeah. i believe that you know they can they can be presented in a museum on yeah. lifeless mannequins and still be extraordinary yeah. um for him being a designer most the the inspiration motivation for him to be a designer was mm. the final catwalk parade mm. he does a collection in order to have that final presentation in order to have the models walking up and down the catwalk so that that element of life, of movement, is really mm. important to him. And at the same time, a lot of his designs, specifically in his haute couture collections, is directly on the body. So that's why his muses and his models are so important to him, because it's actually a very... It's almost like a two-way exchange mm. uh, in the design process, because he's designing directly on their bodies. So the, the body is very important to him. There are so many different outfits in this exhibition, mm. it is impossible to talk about all of them. Mm. But there were some uh, extraordinary ones that mm. stand out. Some of them weren't popular. There was the one based on the Hasidic Jews. Mm. That had mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. Yep. A lot of the Jewish people were kind of quite uh, upset by the look. Mm. Uh, I, I thought it was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Big hats, 
big furry hats, um, long coats. Mm. Um, it's a it's a style that goes back to Poland from mm. the seventeen hundreds. So there was that. But what are some of the other great things that stand out for you in that exhibition? There's a particular piece actually on the... Um, there's a section called Punk Can Can, which looks at the way that he's inspired by London punks uh, and the Parisian, who he says is a woman that he's never met. She's a, a figure of his imagination, but, you know, the elegant mm. Paris woman that we, that, that we all, I guess, know through movies and popular mm. culture. And on the catwalk, because there's a moving catwalk in this section, uh, there's a suit which is called uh, Puss Puss or Surprise Suit. And what it is is it's based on the Christian Dior's new look suit. So it's a... Uh, Full skirt. No, 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 yeah. sorry, a um, pencil skirt to the knee uh, and a very tailored jacket with the hourglass silhouette, so a very cinched-in waist. But the playful thing that he does is he uses the jacket as a bodice, so it's actually completely backless. So the jacket becomes the bodice front um, and then the back is bare. So that's the kind of tongue-in-cheek surprise element of it and mm. I think that's just really reflective of him because he's an extraordinary tailor, because mm. he knows his hawkature history and because he twists everything mm. um, that he sees into this playful, fun um, but also at the same time completely wearable mm. piece. That was the thing that struck me looking at the different pieces through the exhibition is the wonderful juxtaposition between the very masculine mm. and the very feminine. Mm. This pair of shoes that took my fancy, mm. not personally but Which in terms ones? of design, they were were uh, male shoes yep. for men, quite chunky, quite masculine, but the top half was almost like diamante. It's mm. very sheer. And I thought it was a lovely play between the very masculine and the very feminine. And he often plays with those tensions in the same item. Yeah, absolutely. And that's reflected through the exhibition as well. Um, I guess, you know, thinking about the figure of Madonna and the boudoir, it's about celebrating the masculinity in women, which I guess mm. Madonna did particularly well in the 1990s, 1980s. Mm. But then at the same time, there's this um, complementary message of celebrating the femininity in mm. men. So there's a pair of um, trousers which are made out of lace and they have chul at the bottom, chul flounces at the bottom. And his argument is is that fabrics shouldn't be divided. Fabrics shouldn't be gendered. If women can wear lace, men can wear lace. If women can wear pinstripe, men can wear pinstripe. So there's this sort of evening out of uh, materials, styles, and making them available to everybody because that's his view. Even though he's not credited for the first designer who has put men into skirts, mm. he's one of the first contemporary designers, mm. you would say, who's actually done that. Yeah, and I mean, it goes in waves because um, I think it was... Was it Courage in the... No, Rudy Gernrich in the 1960s um, who was putting men in skirts. And then, of course, historically, you know, men have worn kilts, you know, for years, ecclesiastical, where, you know, their skirts as part of the ensemble. But what I think he does really well is respond to the zeitgeist and respond to the time because in 1985 when he released his skirt for men, which is unique in mm. that it's based on a pair of trousers with, like, an extended... Um, flap over one side that crosses over that then becomes the skirt piece. Uh, in 1985, when they were first released, he sold 3,000 with mm. that collection. So it's not as if it was just one thing that was gimmicky for the catwalk. There was actually a demand for it, and he sold 3,000, so it meant that 3,000 men wanted mm. these. So he's responding to each era. There's also an interesting um, little section in the exhibition where they look at where Jean-Paul Gaultier has kind of reworked denim, very simple mm. denim, into couture. Mm -hmm. 
so he's used, you know, very ordinary, everyday streetwear and he's fashioned into something quite spectacular. Yeah. So that's quite a, a milestone and also a focus in one part of the exhibition Yeah, as well. yeah, there is a denim section. There's also a camouflage section. Um, and that is something that he consistently does. Mm. Uh, one of the pieces in the denim section is from his first Hawk Couture collection. So he's using denim, a very utilitarian material, and through his embellishments and his mm. treatment and his creativity, he's sort of elevating it into something else. Mm. He's elevating it mm. into Hawk Couture. Um, and that's also a theme that runs through the exhibition. From the sidewalk to the catwalk is the subtitle because he's inspired by the street. He's inspired by everything, really. Um, that's what the Hasidic Jews um, collection is about, the fact that he saw a group of rabbis walking down the steps of the New York State Library. They, their, their gowns and their hats and their hair were sort of caught up in the wind, and he thought that was the most beautiful thing. Uh, so he based a collection on it called Chic Rabbis. Um, you know, likewise, Denim, mm. he, he incorporates that into his collections, not just for one collection, but through several collections. Uh, so you get a, in the exhibition, there are particular groupings that are created mm. of works from different collections, from different, different seasons, mm. uh, because there are consistencies through his work. Paula, um, another focus of the design or another important aspect of the design is the cone bras that mm. he did and look you know he there's a lovely little teddy bear with the cones that he was his first design as a child mm. quite delightful absolutely and then decades later that same thing appears uh, on madonna's address made for D madonna and it's all um, velvet and it's got these very aggressive pointed cone mm. cones early 90s was that that actual dress was designed in the 80s right. and it was then i guess used as the basis for the cone bras that ended up in madonna's um blonde ambition tour in 1990 so initially that dress wasn't worn by madonna but she mm. did pick up that yeah. idea and when they worked on the costumes together because it was a very collaborative experience um they incorporated into that. I remember um, Piero from Masons. He mm. didn't. I don't think he brought in the dresses. He might have brought in the one or two of them. But I still remember he did bring in those lovely hats that went with those dresses. Yes. Yep. Um, which were quite delightful. Mm. He is an interesting guy. I he mean, is. I think uh, the only thing that we heard recently, he's stopping his. Um, his ready-to-wear collections. Jean and, Gaultier, yeah. Yes, and he's only be doing couture. Mm. Why do you think? Is it just well, because he's got to a point in life that it's just too demanding? or He actually spoke really openly about it at the um, In Conversation. We had an In Conversation with him on the Friday night after the opening, and that was one of the questions. And he said that the reason is because fashion at the moment, there's just so much of it. In terms of ready-to-wear, there's just so much of it. And what Hawk Couture allows him to do is to be really, really creative. So in, I guess, just responding to the times, you know, mm. he's, he's, he, he made the comment that, you know, there's fast fashion and there's the sorts of, I guess, you know, what we know about fashion. There's very, very fast turnover. Mm. And then there's Couture. And ready-to-wear at the moment is just, it, I guess... Mm, it, it fashion just it, the 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 um, world of fashion is changing. Is and it is it Paolo? Do you think it's just it's lost direction in the last few years, or it's just ready to wear? Well, ready to wear, or it's just become more street based? I think he's just summed <laughs> it up in that there's just there's just so much. You know, there's not just ready to wear. There's pre collection. There's resort. There's you know, there's so many collections that go with ready to wear, 
And I think just in his view, what he's interested in is making extraordinary dresses and, you know, you know, pieces for men as well. And Hawkeye allows him to do that. I think what's lovely about Jean-Paul Gaultier, I mean, I would have loved to have interviewed him when he was in Melbourne. I didn't mm. get that opportunity. But um, his humour is wonderful. I mean, he's a big fan of Eurovision. He is, yeah. Um, his brides, yeah. often at the end of a collection, are, usually, are sometimes male. Um, he had one singer who was um, who won the Viennese, who That's was from right. Vienna, yep. who won Eurovision one mm. year. And he, with full beard, mm. uh, beautiful voice, he presented, he became the bride. It's yep. really, he's just fabulous at turning things on their head yeah. and getting these amazing results. Mm. Yeah, he's just really open-minded. Mm. There's no, I mean, one of the other really interesting stories that's come out, well, that has mm. been a part mm. of the exhibition um, was the, I guess, debut of Andrea Pejic as a woman mm. because um, Andrea Pejic has been modelling for Jean-Paul Gaultier uh, she talks about it as being between the genders. She was born a man. Her lifelong ambition was to be a woman. Mm -hmm. She's now a woman and she's accepted in the fashion world mm -hmm. as a woman because of Jean-Paul Gaultier and because he's open because of his openness mm -hmm. to accept her in this sort of place that the fashion industry previously hadn't re didn't really have mm -hmm. a place for. I mean, Andre used to also... Um do catwalks for Paul Smith in London. Mm. So Yeah, but in Yeah. As male. Yeah. But at the same time it was Jean Paul Gaultier that that helped mm. um Andrea get that European representation mm. because uh Andrea said that everybody liked my look, but nobody was really willing to take a risk. Mm. But with that help and with that push and that support from Jean Paul Gaultier, um it meant that she got Euro European representation, which then, you know, was fabulous for other things. Paula, um, I hope you don't mind answering this, but my only um, detraction from this extraordinary exhibition, mm. it was extraordinary, is mm. that I'm a bit over-celebrity. Mm. I mean, I'm really over-celebrity, and a lot of people I've spoken to have said, look, we think it's actually going to get less as we go forward. Celebrity. Celebrity, and the idea of celebrity and mm. fashion, because I really can't bear it anymore. I've kind of... Um, I, kind of it, I find it nauseous. Mm. Um is it something that you think will be... Is it something that will just continue, or do you think... Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that the figures that are featured in the exhibition, like yeah. the celebrities who yeah. are Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett, and um, Kylie, Minogue. Kylie Minogue, they are celebrities because people feel some sort of connection to them. Yeah. And I guess in a world where you're dealing with, you know individuals engaging with the world through sort of mass culture you know yeah. we're, we're not we're not living in villages anymore we're living in a globalized yeah. society um people respond to movie stars i guess the way that they always have but in a bigger sort of way yeah. and the way that i think about them too is, is that they they're successful for a reason and the reason that people engage with them is because they've got something that appeals to people and when i asked um Terry about, or Joka, about what it was about Kylie that Jean-Paul Gaultier loved, she said they're exactly the same. As in, she's got that joyousness. She's got that open-mindedness. She's got that that kind of spirit that he's got, which is why they connect. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's a tough thing because with celebrities, sometimes all we see is the veneer, but actually they're real people under there and they are creative people under there too often. Mm -hmm. 
um, particularly in this instance. I mean, someone like Kate Blanchett, she's extraordinary. Yeah. So, I know, I would I'd give her several ticks. I mean, yeah. she is extraordinary and a, and a wonderful yeah. actress. Yeah. I'm just a bit tired of celebrity. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's, it's just one layer of the exhibition. Yeah. Um, and it is a layer that we have looked at because that's his connection yeah. to Australia. I mean, that's how he knows Australia. He knows Australia through Kylie. He knows Australia through Nicole. And he's also, he's really into film. Yeah. He spends hours he does. each week he does. going to films. Exactly. And he's done that consistently through his life. So from a little boy, um, that's where the story begins, actually. He spent uh, many, many hours, days, weeks um, with his grandmother, and she had a television. And in the post-war period, this was quite novel, and she let him watch whatever he wanted. So he watched it. And that that began his love um, of television, and it was actually a movie which inspired him to become a couturier. I mean, there's just so much in there. There's, Mm. you know, there's, um, apart from, you know, uh, mannequins that talk to you, which is really unsettling. <laughs> but very exciting. Very once you get exciting. Used to it. <laughs> um, but there is so much there. There's, if you want to uh, feel like you're sitting in front row of a fashion show, there's these lovely gold chairs to sit on. So mm-hmm. you really feel very special. Mm. Um, but it is a wonderful exhibition. I think it's a credit to the National Gallery of Victoria and all the work that people like yourself have put into it. My only concern is how difficult it will will be to actually follow up with something else. It's true. But, you know, we can do it. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, um, Paola, for coming onto the show. It's been terrific. And um, I, I... it will it will linger in my memory for for years, and I really appreciate you coming on. So um, you've been with Paola Di Trocchio, uh, curator of fashion and textiles at the National Gallery of Victoria in Melbourne. Thanks so much. Thank you, you Stephen. You've been with Stephen Crafty, talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.